real estate investing is changing, but there are people evolving and thriving. In this podcast, we'll listen to their stories and hopefully learn from them. I am dedicated to creating a life where I could create multiple passive income and doing something I love along the way. To me, the most important part is doing significant work and create great relationships along the way. For those that want to invest in passive income multifamilies, email me at abio at abiobiestatos.com. My name is Abio Biestatos. I am a real estate investor and entrepreneur, and I want to help you live the real estate life. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Life Podcast. So today I'm excited to have Eric Oliver on the show. Eric, thank you for giving us your time and um, just give us a quick introduction of your experience and you know, what your business is and what we're going to be talking about today for the listeners. Sure, Abel. I appreciate uh, appreciate you having me. So um, kind of my background, my degrees in accounting um, and I have been with Cost Segregation Authority for six years now. Um, we work with investors and CPAs across the country on reducing tax liabilities through cost segregation, uh, as well as some um, energy credits. And so um, that's what we'll be trying to focus on today mostly. You know, cost segregation is a big part of our multifamily business. And for those listeners who are not using cost segregation, you are missing out on a big tax incentive. And it's something that everyone should get educated on and understand the basics of it. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of detail into it, but if you come to an expert, they should be able to guide you. Um, let, let's start off with the tax implications that real estate investors have. Uh, you could touch point on that before we get into straight into the cost segregation. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. So a lot of us get into real estate. One of the real benefits of real estate, um, obviously growing long-term wealth, those types of things. But one of the, the big benefits is being able to reduce your tax liability. So Unfortunately, we all have to pay taxes, but if we can limit the amount of taxes we pay, that gives us more cash flow, more money to go put into new deals and create that long-term wealth. And so, um, you know, when you invest in real estate, one of the benefits is something called depreciation. So I'll just kind of touch on that. Depreciation basically is a non-cash expense. So it's no different than any other expense you might have in your business, but it's a non-cash expense that typically you think about multifamily, you get to depreciate your asset over 27 and a half years. So let's just look at it at a small scale. Let's say you buy a, an eight unit, you find a real good deal on it, you pay 275 for it, 275,000. You're essentially gonna get a $10,000 write-off every year for the next 27 and a half years that comes off your taxable income. So if your income is 150, instead of paying tax on 150, you only get to pay. You have to pay tax now on one forty of income because you have this ten thousand dollar depreciation expense that shows up on your tax return. And so, depreciation is a great way to reduce your tax liability. And if we can accelerate those deductions instead of just taking the one twenty seventh for the next twenty seven and a half years, um, it adds even more cash value, more benefit up front. And there's a number of reasons on, on why you'd want to do that. Now, let me ask you: when it comes to depreciation. What is the holding period, the, the best strategic length to hold a property to get to get the maximum amount of depreciation on it? Sure. So if you're doing a cost segregation study, then you're going to break your assets up into five, seven, 15-year, and 27-and-a-half-year assets. So usually somewhere between that five and seven where you've fully depreciated all your five-year assets. So you're going to get a, a bunch of write-offs in those first five and seven years. Um, that's kind of the, 
the typical sweet spot. But again, you know, obviously other factors uh, play into that. But from in terms of just depreciation, when doing a cost seg study, if you can hold it for at least that five or seven year, you've taken a good portion of your deductions um, early enough that you've been able to to reduce your tax liability. So, so let's say you're you're an investor and you're turning properties every one year. You're you're, you're kind of technically a flipper, and you're right. selling properties under one year or two year, three years. This is not a very effective strategy for someone like that, or is it still? There's still some incentive on that. There is still some incentive. So, especially with some of the tax laws that have recently pa- have been passed with the, when Trump came into office, he passed the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which was a kind of a tax overhaul. Um, he's obviously owns real estate. He understands how real estate works. And so there was something in those provisions that is called bonus depreciation. So now with this bonus depreciation, even if you're holding an asset for a year or two years, there's a rate arbitrage where you're taking your deduction at a high rate and paying it back at a low rate and saving the spread. And so um, it doesn't always apply on the smaller assets because that spread isn't always big enough to offset the fee of doing a cost sake study. But anything over a million dollars absolutely is worth, even if you buy it in December, you turn around and sell it the following tax year in March, you're going to get a huge write-off in December against your ordinary income at, let's say, 37%. Even if you sell that property in March the following year and have to pay all that depreciation back, you're paying it back at either 20% capital gains rate or a 25% recapture rate. So you're saving that 12%. And that could be tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on the size of asset. Now, when you mean the size of asset, I know you said uh, the ideal space would be a million dollars. Does it matter the size of the property? uh, No, it's just the, the value. Yep. Your depreciation is all calculated on a value uh, on your purchase price. So yeah, you're looking at just the value. The size of the actual property doesn't matter. And that million dollar mark, I just want to make note, that's if you're going to sell it within a year or two. If you plan on holding a property for three to five years, you can go down as low as $150,000, $200,000 assets. And still you're going to save ten dollars or $15,000 in taxes. You know, you might have to pay two or 3000 for a study, but you're still coming out ahead, you know, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 on even the smaller assets. So I'll tell you something that uh, I know that it's something uh, listeners want to learn. And also for myself, sure. um, let's say I'm underwriting a deal and I'm about to buy this property or about to get on the contract. At what point of my transaction, do I engage with you? Do I reach out to you and ask you or hire you to help me, you know, structure this cost segregation or kind of get a, kind of get an idea, especially when you're raising money with investors. Uh, I think it's a good strong selling point when you could kind of give the investors an idea. If we, our business model is to do this in this, this period of time, this is what we're going to save in a cost segregation. Do you, do you help out your clients or your investors like that? Oh, absolutely. So I agree with you 100%. The, the earlier you get us involved, the better your, your numbers are going to be and the more accurate your numbers are going to be when you're sharing it with your investors. So um, quite oftentimes, we work with investors who have a property they're, that they're looking at. They haven't necessarily put an offer in on it, but they're looking at it. They'll call us and say, hey, Eric, can you run some preliminary numbers for me? And I'll, run, I'll look at the property, run some numbers for them and say, hey, here's what we can anticipate in the first year in terms of appreciation. And now they can put that into their um, into their metrics and get back to their investors and say, "Hey, investor, you know, if you were to invest a hundred thousand dollars on this project, 
you're going to get an $80,000 depreciation expense in the first year or a $70,000 depreciation yeah, expense. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you can really use it as a marketing tool because, you know, some of us are limited, limited partners. We just need a place to park our cash. Some of us need a place to get a tax write-off. Maybe I'm a high W2, W-2 earner and my spouse is a real estate professional, but I've got all this income coming in from my W-2 job. And I need to go find a tax write-off. Well, that's a great way for you as a syndicator or you for somebody who's invested or looking for investors to say, hey, put money into my deal and I'm going to give you this massive tax deduction in the first year. And you don't, you know, you don't have to do anything for it. So it's a that, great that's way to- big. That. Yeah, that's big. There, there's a lot to know that beforehand. I really like that strategy. It's something that we started implementing. So I'm glad that that you're open to, to underwrite deals from the beginning. Yeah. And uh, build that relationship. That way you can understand what you're going to save in the future. And especially for investors. Yeah, um, uh, what is the impact of the tax reform? Can you give me, educate me a little bit on that, what's happening? Sure. So um, in 2017, at the end of 2017, uh, Trump was our president. He kind of did a tax overhaul. And he made some changes to the tax law in terms of, of real estate investing. So one of the things is, it's called bonus depreciation. And bonus depreciation has been around for a number of years. I think it was initially put into place. It kind of the government uses bonus depreciation to kind of stimulate the economy when they need it. So sometimes it's 30% bonus. Sometimes if the economy is not doing well, they'll say, well, we're going to give 70% bonus this year. And what bonus is, is when it was first enacted, I don't think it had real estate in mind because in order to be eligible for bonus, your asset has to have a depreciable life of 20 years or less. And so, like I mentioned, multifamily apartment buildings is 27 and a half years. Your commercial buildings are 39 years. But it was mainly for, you know, you think about it, go buy a bulldozer that's a 15-year asset, let's say, and you get to take, instead of depreciating that bulldozer over 15 years, you get to depreciate that bulldozer. You get to take 80% of that in the first year as bonus depreciation, and the other 20% gets spread out over the next 14 years. So your front, the government was allowing you to front load your depreciation as an incentive to go out, stimulate the economy. Well, in 2017, the bonus changed from 50% to 100%. So that's a wow. big jump. That's huge. Yeah, huge. And the other thing is it, it no longer had to be new construction or new purchases. You could go buy an old bulldozer that's new to me because I just purchased it, but let's say it's used. Now I'm eligible for that bonus. So let's take it back a step and let's kind of think about how that applies to real estate. If you buy an existing, let's say I go buy an apartment building today that was built in 1970 and I pay a million dollars for it. Well, I can't take any bonus depreciation if I don't do a cost seg because that asset is classified as a 27 and a half year asset. But what if I do cost segregation and I segregate that asset into five, seven, and 15-year buckets? And what I mean by those buckets, ABL, is I mean your five-year assets, when you buy an apartment building, you're not just buying the walls and the land. You're also buying a bunch of carpet, a bunch of countertops, a bunch of cabinets, some appliances. All those things I mentioned, according to the IRS, should be depreciated over five years, not 27 and a half. So that's what a cost segregation study does is it comes in, it takes that million dollar purchase price and it says of that million dollars you paid for that apartment building, 30,000 of that was for things like appliances. Another 80,000 was for the concrete in the parking lot or the asphalt. And we, we segregate those costs up. Well, now you've got these buckets that are less than 20 years 
you've got your five, seven, and 15, and you get to take 100% of that in the first year. So that's, it's huge. It's amazing because let's just use that million dollar building example. If we typically segregate somewhere around 30%, all of a sudden we're going to take of that million dollars, we're going to take 30% of it, put it into these short-term buckets. And because those buckets are under 20 years, you get to take all 300,000 as a deduction in the first year. Wow. Versus before bonus depreciation, you would get to take one twenty-seventh of a million dollars, which I can't do that math in my head, but it's not a lot. (laughs) You get to take one twenty-seventh of a million versus 30% of a million, right? Mm -hmm. And so bonus depreciation has, has become really powerful for investors. If you own real estate and you're paying taxes in this current environment, you need to get it a second opinion because you've probably got a lot of these hidden deductions sitting in your, your You're leaving money on the table. Yeah, absolutely. Now, is, Eric, is there, is there a sweet spot or a typical property that typically takes the, that when it comes to cost segregation, it's like the Holy grail It's like the perfect type of asset to do cost segregation or is it, or a type of property that you can't really cost segregate too much. Yeah, no, that's a great question because the different asset classes, we do get different results. So if you think about if you buy a big empty warehouse, you might pay a million dollars for a warehouse. We go in and do our study. There's not a lot for us to segregate, right? It's just a concrete floor and some steel walls and that's about it. You know, maybe we can take the parking lot and the fencing around the outside and maybe some signage. But typically, you know, on a property like that, we might segregate 20% versus multifamily apartment buildings, it's closer to 30, 35, sometimes it's even high as 40, depending on the landscaping. Um, you know, because when you buy an apartment building for that same million dollars, you're buying, you know, 20 washers and dryers, you're buying 20 sets of cabinets. You know, if you've got 20 doors, you're buying parking lots, curbs, gutters, asphalt, um, flooring for all those units. And so multifamily is a good um, property class to do cost segregation on because there's a lot of personal property in a, in a multifamily. Yeah. And then you do have some outliers that are just crazy, like um, gas stations is, a, is kind of a weird one. Same thing with uh, car washes. So if you were to go spend a million dollars on a car wash, you're really not buying a structure. What you're buying is curbs, gutters, and equipment, right? And so car washes can oftentimes, the whole million dollars gets classified as a 15-year asset which makes it eligible for bonus depreciation, which means you're taking the whole write-off in the first year. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so that's uh, car washes, gas stations, and then sometimes mobile home parks are in that. They're kind of outliers. Everything else is usually between 20 and 35, 40%. Then you've got those three outliers that are just absurd. (laughs) That's that's, that's good to know. Um, All right, let's let's jump into the energy credits. Um, This is this is something I'm dying to learn about. I'm not too educated on it. So we'll yeah. start with the first one, the 179D energy credits. Can you get, explain to me a little bit about that? Yeah. So the 179D, it's a, it's an energy deduction that's eligible for um, commercial properties. So, and I, when I use the word commercial, it's a little different probably than the real estate world, but commercial meaning like your retail. When, I, when we talk about multifamily, I, even if it's a huge multifamily, I consider that residential for depreciation. Okay. So I need to clarify that. So the 179D is for your commercial properties, anything that gets depreciated over 39 years. And what it is, um, it's a $1.80 tax deduction 
if your building is more energy efficient than prior year standards. And so a lot of new construction, this would mainly apply to new construction, a lot of new construction just by the essence of the materials that are being used nowadays and the stricter county codes qualify for this deduction. This $1.80 deduction can be broken up into three parts. It's your mechanical, which is your heating and air, your lighting, and then your building envelope, which is your insulation, your windows, the insulation in the attics, et cetera. So the nice thing about this 179D is you can actually qualify for, you don't have to qualify for the whole thing to get the $1.80. You might just have, you might have poor insulation, but you've got good heating and air and good lighting. And so you'll get a $1.20 deduction per square foot. So well, per square foot. Per square foot. So it's a dollar eighty per square foot total, and that can be broken up into sixty cent increments for those three different components. Is that, does that is that the same for offices or just mostly retail? Um, it works for office buildings, retail. Um, we've done it for self storage where the lighting and you know really? there's not a lot of in there. Got it. You look at the lighting. Um, so yeah, so any commercial property is eligible for that. You might not get the full one eighty. But you might, you know, get one of those sixty cent components. You know, Fannie, Mae, Fannie and Freddie Mac have a very similar uh, incentive for energy saving products uh, on the on the interest rate. Uh, they they have a program like that. I don't know yeah. exactly the detail, but they they have something very similar. If you're using energy saving and you show proof of that, they'll give you a, a break on a, a couple of base. I think it's like half a base, something basis points that they'll help you out with. Uh, so oh, right. it, it is it is something that they're. Uh, they're, they're motivating investors to use. Okay, let's jump into the 4-5-L energy credit. Educate me on that one. Yeah, so this one probably applies more to your listeners, so pay close attention here. <laughs> um, the 45-L energy credit is amazing. It's a $2,000 tax credit. And I, I the reason I corrected myself when I was talking about the 179D, because that's a deduction. So that comes off your taxable income, and that's how you save money. This is a dollar for dollar tax credit, $2,000 per door for energy efficient new construction. So if you're building duplexes, quads, eightplexes, apartment buildings, and you haven't taken advantage of the 45L, you're leaving significant money on the table. Wow. It's one of the most underutilized tax credits out there. And I think the reason is, this is just my assumption, is that they don't always reinstate it. So unfortunately right now they haven't reinstated it for the 2022 year. So if you go build an apartment building as of today in 2022, the credit's no longer available. However, the new administration hasn't really tackled their tax initiatives yet. They've been dealing with coronavirus. Now we're dealing with Russia. <laughs> Once yeah. they get to their tax incentives, this is a uh, uh, an incentive that's usually got bipartisan support you know, because the Republicans are looking to lower taxes, the Democrats are looking for um, green energy. And so usually they come together and offer this. So my guess is this will be extended for 2022. But currently, it's only on the books through 2021. So you would have had to build something new, a new resident. Oh, let me state that it's only for residential properties. So apartment buildings, um, senior so this, living. This is, this, uh, who takes advantage of this, the developer or the buyer who buys the new construction building? It would be the developer. So whoever develops the property, whoever has basis in the property when it's being developed, so whoever took the loan out for the construction loan um, would be the one who's eligible to take that 45L credit. Now, remember, it's $2,000 per door. You do have to have a third party come in and qualify it. 
but it's very similar to the 179 where we're looking at the same things. We're looking at the building envelope, the heating and air, the ductwork, um, and the lighting. And if it qualifies, if it meets certain standards, then we issue certificates and you get to turn those certificates in with your tax return. Now, now let me ask you something. Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, so we do have some new construction in the pipeline. I haven't looked into what products I'm using yet because we haven't gotten to that point. Uh, sure. Is that something you could help out with? So that, that way strategically it's done correct and it makes your life easier and everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. We love to get involved on new projects sooner than later, because sometimes maybe it's, you might spend an extra $200 on a little bit nicer furnace. And all of a sudden that bumps you up over the threshold to now be eligible for that. Uh, credit. So you're, you know, you're making a business decision, spend $200 more for a higher efficiency furnace. And now all of a sudden I earned a $2,000 credit or get it right back. Yeah. Put in, you know, an extra two inches of insulation up in the attic. And all of a sudden my building now qualifies and I'm getting whatever that cost was back plus some. So again, we'll do a free analysis where we'll, you can send us the, the, the prints and tell us what kind of stuff you're looking at using. And then we can advise and make a business decision and say, okay, listen, if you just bump the furnace up a little bit, or if you just bump the insulation up a bit, these are going to put it over that threshold that qualifies. Um, and now you're eligible for those credits. Yeah, that's how crucial it is to have advice, have a team around you. And I, I say this because it's something that I've, I've incorporated in, in my business and in my life. You know, you can't be an expert of everything. you got to allow experts to do their thing. And, but it's also crucial to engage them early. You know, right. you know, I always you can't be afraid to ask questions, reach out to your experts in any business. Right. And, um, and just let them know, this is where I am right now in this, biz- in, in this business that I'm about to do. Can you help me make sure I do this correctly from day one? And right. it'll take a long way. So no. that that that's big, Eric. That that someone could engage with you on these subjects that we talked about, and you could kind of give them a path of what's going to help them in the future and save them a lot of money. Uh, a lot of a lot of golden nuggets you dropped here, man. It was very very good stuff. Um, Eric, is, uh, is is there anything that you want to add to the listeners, or anything anyone that is listening that you would like to? you know, just give them some advice on in the multifamily space. Yeah, no, I think, I think you actually just hit it. One thing that I have noticed in doing this um, for the last six years is you hit it on the head. You've got to surround yourself with people who are experts and you, sometimes you have to humble yourself and say, Hey, I'm not a great tax guy, or I'm not an attorney, or I'm not a maintenance guy, or I'm not a property manager. I need to go find somebody who is, who who's an expert in that field. And so, um, in terms of taxes, in terms of CPAs and real estate, the one thing I would like to just throw out there is there's a big difference, ABL, between a tax preparer and a tax advisor. And they cost very different, right? Their fee structure is very different. You yeah, can go to yeah, H&R yeah. Block. You can walk into Walmart today and go to H&R Block and get your taxes done for $125, right? They're going to take whatever documents you have. They're going to input it into their tax software. It's going to spit out a number and you're going to write a big check to the IRS for your taxes versus a tax advisor or a tax planner who's going to sit down with you quarterly and say, okay, what are you, what are you working on? What is your expected income? What projects do you have coming down the line? What things do you think you're going to sell this year? And okay, you're going to sell this. Well, what does that mean for your capital gains tax? Oh, you're going to have this huge capital gains tax event. Well, maybe we need to go buy something to offset that, or maybe we need to do a cost sake study, or there's a number of, of differences. Yeah. And 
don't be afraid to pay a little extra money for a tax advisor because the yeah. advice they're going to give you is going to be tenfold what you pay them. And I'm not saying this to sell. So no, that's hundred percent true. Yeah. yeah I so you guys know we don't do any yeah. taxes at our firm here. So I'm not saying this to, for self, uh, for you yeah, guys. I'm, to glad you, I, I'm glad you clarify that because that, that's, you're an advisor. So you right. get guidance in how, how to do things properly, how to prepare for them. And right. that's something and I'm glad you just clarified. Yeah. We work with CPAs all over the country and I've seen the good, bad, and the ugly. And a lot of them get paid just to process taxes. That's how, you know, they've got a client base of 1200 clients and that's where they make their money is in April when those 1200 clients come in and hand them their W-2s and they file their tax returns. That's very different than finding somebody. Once you start investing in real estate and you start growing your portfolio and it's becoming more and more complex, it's crucial to go out and find a good quality CPA who understands real estate, who is an investor themselves, who's been through the process and can advise you on how to structure those deals and how to structure your entities and how to structure everything so that you're not overpaying. And I see too many times someone calls me and they're like, I'm like, so what was your tax liability last year? And they're like, well, I had to write a check for 300,000 to the IRS. I'm like, wait, but you own all this real estate. They're like, oh, you mean I could have done cost seg on this? I didn't know yeah, I could yeah, do cost seg yeah, on that. Yeah, or I could yeah, have yeah. 1031 exchange. Or there's a number of things. And so that's my yeah. one thing that I'll yeah, just so I wanna, Yeah, I want to add to that so for, for the listeners. Uh, it, you got your own accountant. Don't be afraid to engage Eric and have him take a sec, second opinion. He's not there to compete with your accountant and push him out of the business. He's there to give you an opinion and to give you some advice on strategies and work with your accountant together. So basically, I, I like that, that you'll yeah. be able to strategically work with the existing accountant and figure out better solutions and right. maybe something that they missed. I like right. that. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Like I said, we don't we do not do any tax returns at our firm, but we do partner with CPAs to say, hey, we know, that we know a lot about depreciation, but we want to partner with you and your CPA around these, these real estate entities and make sure we're maximizing. These I like that. I like that. Uh, I, I we'll be engaging you right after this, uh, <laughs> this conversation, Eric, man, appreciate, appreciate everything you've done for us today. Um, is there, is there a way that listeners could communicate with you? I will also drop, drop a link. How can they get a hold of you? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the best way is just to reach out through our website. So it's just www.costcost.com segsegauthority.com. And on there, we have um, a place where you can enter your information. If you want us to give you a call back, we'll give you a call back, get some information over to you. But yeah, that's definitely the best way. Please use this as a resource. Again, we don't bill by the hour. You can call me. I'll give you my cell phone number. You can call me on my cell phone and say, hey, I've got this question. You know, I think the weirdest question I've got is someone wanted to know how to depreciate deer on a breeding facility in Milwaukee. And I'm like, and I didn't know the answer, but I, I knew that we could find the answer for them. So we were able to get them the answer, but please just give us a call. Use this as a resource. No, I need to know the answer. <laughs> to be you? honest with you, I, I think it was like eight years or something weird. I don't remember the exact answer, but awesome. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So please, if you have any, so that's a good example. Just don't be afraid to ask. <laughs> don't be don't call me and ask me questions about earned business income or child tax credits because I don't know any of that stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Child if it's support. depreciation related or real estate related, please use me as a resource. Um, we're happy to help you guys any way we can. Awesome, Eric. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to reach out to me, please go to my website, www.abiobiesteros.com.